0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta baby! Touchdown! Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown, brought to you by Untuckit.com. This is Jake Burns. Writer over at the Orange and Brown Report coming at you guys um, on Sunday night here, following what has been a chaotic and all too familiar feel for you know for us Browns fans, and um, you know it's a situation that's something that you never pull for. It's a situation that you know you didn't want it to arrive as much as you uh, might have been out on Freddie Kitchens early in the season, maybe the Rams game draw. Um, you know, or some of the other early to mid-season debacles had you saying they don't have the right coach. Arriving at the need for a new head coach is a situation in which, um, you know, that means that your season was a failure. And for the Browns, this season was a failure. Don't get it wrong. They, they finish, um, you know, with today's game, they finish 6-10, and um, which is a, a decrease in um, win-loss from the season before. And the, you know, I would say that the overall feel vibe of this season was one of the most frustrating that I've been around. I would say the 2008 season following what we thought was a really good 2007 team that would carry into 2008 was probably the most disappointing season I've ever been around. But this season was up there, and it's all because of expectations. It's all because of hype. Those things are a byproduct of, um, you know, names that were brought in. And we'll discuss some of those things as we go. But, um, you know, for the most part, it was one of the more, you know, overall disappointing, you know, days in Brown's recent history. And, And now they are once again on the search for what will be the sixth Head coach in the Jimmy Haslam ownership era, which is which is quite unfathomable to think about for a guy who arrived here, I believe arrived in the twenty twelve season, and uh, we haven't even turned into the next decade, and he's on his on his sixth head coach. It's kind of uh, it's kind of jarring. So we'll get there. We'll talk about some of the things surrounding the head coach and those options a little later. If you want to fast forward to that, feel free. We're going to talk about the game first. They did play one of those today, and it was. Um, it was extremely, overwhelmingly disappointing. Uh, I didn't mean to throw as many adverbs there as I can, but it's it's true that this was a disappointing endeavor for Cleveland. They go down to Cincinnati, and perhaps some of the rumors were true. Perhaps, you know, you know, Freddie Kitchens could have saved his job with a with a good performance. May, maybe that stuff was all just smoke. I would like to think that they wouldn't hinge that decision on this game, but I would definitely say that the the, the outcome of this thirty three to twenty three loss. And Cincinnati was uh, was certainly the the, the the piece of evidence that pushed this whole thing over the top, and um, probably gave the ownership group and whoever else is sitting involved, John Dorsey, um, you know Paul DePodesta, who we'll talk about that later. Those guys uh, they're pushed over the top watching this team just crumble and just and just really get worked by the team with the worst record in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, as as it was pretty obvious early in the game that it was going to go this way. Cleveland comes out and scores. Uh, Baker Mayfield hits Damian Ratley on a 46-yard touchdown on Yankee concept, which is just a post and an over route that you're reading the safety on the play side, he bites a little bit on that over route and you got the post over top if he can get inside the corner. He drops a nice ball in there. It's 7-0. Then the Bengals come back out and score on a seven play 79-yard drive and uh, it's 7-7 and then, you know, it's it's a Joe Mixon touchdown on a on a quick drive. Uh, after an interception, and Andy Dalton touchdown on a 12-play drive. And in the second quarter, Cleveland's down 20-7, to seven, and you can just see the writing on the wall. Joe Mixon on the day runs for 162 yards on 26 carries. The Browns run defense, and now they're playing with makeshift guys up front, but they're playing with their linebackers, and they're playing with their defensive backs that they played with for most of the year. And, you know, I would contend that Demarius Randall and Justin Burris are their two best safeties that have presented themselves throughout the year. Maybe you can argue Morgan Burnett, but the way Justin Burris is playing, you know, <laughs> it's not much of a drop off. So you can blame the guys up front all you want. They're still Larry Ogonjobi, Olivier Vernon still played. Sheldon Richardson still played. Miles Garrett make that big of a difference for you. All I know is that it just doesn't feel like whatever Steve Wilkes is trying to do, whatever Tosh LePoy, the defensive line coach, is trying to do, it is not. It is not getting home and they are not making an impact. And they have questions and the entire box has questions. The front four you know, I think we all want to consider Larry Ogunjobi a part of this thing, but he has taken steps backwards since his rookie year. His body style has changed. He's thinned out. Um, he's really focused on his health, which is great, but he's not the big space-eating, you know, one technique that even he was his rookie year when he was a bigger, wider body and uh, was playing with, a, with a, a quickness off the snap that was pretty obvious. He, he, he sort of trimmed down and tried to work on more finesse and speed moves and instead has... Suffered and and I think he overthinks what he's doing at the line of scrimmage and you know when he's worried about how technical he needs to be with a move he's getting blown off the football and it's too late he was worrying early in his career just about getting off the ball quick and making plays he didn't doing that anymore and I think that they have a tough decision with Larry and they need to have a better second defensive tackle besides Sheldon Richardson Olivier Vernon plays banged up it was pretty impressive of him to do so but overall just a disappointing effort from the guys up front in the linebacker group. Um, You know, like I said, uh, 162 just a mix and 10 more to Dalton, 5 to Erickson, 4 to Bernard comes out to a 179-yard Cincinnati rushing performance, 190 yards for Andy Dalton, 16 of 28, touchdown interception, wasn't overwhelmingly good, but did enough to get them in positions to win. Tyler Boyd, five catches, 59 yards, John Ross, 2 for 42. C.J. Ozoma with 5 for 25 and the only reception touchdown. Defensively, Sam Hubbard. And, uh, Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, um, account for the big plays defensively, six tackles for Hubbard, five tackles for Dunlap, two and a half sacks for Dunlap, one and a half for Sam Hubbard, and two sacks for Carl Lawson, still proving that Cincinnati, while rebuilding that roster, they do have a pretty good front, and they dominated the line of scrimmage, that is without a doubt, as they held the Browns, too, um, Only 53 total plays, 74 net rushing yards, 41 of which came from Nick Chubb on 13 carries along of only 8 yards. And then Baker Mayfield, 4 carries, 29 yards. Kareem Hunt, 3 carries, 4 yards. They couldn't do anything up front. There was no passion. There was no uh, uh, push, no lanes created. The Bengals played it well, but I didn't think the Browns did enough up front, moving, manipulating, creating angles. And it was a really bad overall team. Rushing performance, Mayfield only 12 of 27, under 50% completion hit some big throws that's why he throws for 279 three touchdowns but again three interceptions I wrote about him where he's at his day what the day looked like and um, sort of what I think he needs to do in the future to become the guy we think he can be I encourage you to read that over at the OBR it's a free read don't have to pay anything behind a paywall just read it tell me what you think let me know on Twitter I'm always curious your thoughts but I have a uh, a myriad of thoughts there about where he goes, how he gets there, how the Browns help him, what his off-season needs to look like. So we'll see. Um, like I said, three touchdowns, a nice deep ball to Damian Rattley, a nice deep ball to Jarvis Landry. And then the hell of a jump catch there for, for Odell is Odell went three for 81, a touchdown, Jarvis two for 82, a touchdown, Damian Rattley two for 64, a touchdown, Kareem Hunt three for 32, and Kadero Hodge one for 19. Mayfield's interceptions. The first one doesn't see the down corner at the second level who jumps in front of whatever that route slippage was from Landry? I think it's getting picked off anyway. Second one is just a a launched throw to to Beckham. i got to see the All-22, whether I'm missing something. The coverage was pretty dense. I'm not sure entirely what he was looking at, what he was thinking. I don't know. Um, And then the third one late in the game. Pretty indicative of what his season has been, running toward the line of scrimmage, could take off and run for first down, could dump it off to his running back on the right with the opportunity to gain 10-plus yards, but he tries to force a throw downfield to Landry, and it's, it's, uh, it's intercepted. So just uneven from Baker. Uh, a couple more miscommunications. A couple more, uh, you know, I think that the, the the rush manipulation, you know, Mayfield's accountable for an extra rush man, has to get the ball out, doesn't get the ball out. Those things are still happening. And, um, you know, who that's on, I'll let you decide. But I'm telling you, for the most part, it's on Mayfield. And I think he's got to get the ball out faster. Defensively, Mac Wilson, nine tackles. Joe Schobert, eight tackles. Denzel Ward, six in an interception. Larry Ogunjobi, six. There was... Um, one ha- one sack between uh, Demaryius Randall and Olivier Vernon. Not much in existence in the backfield, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to beat this game up. I think the Bengals outplayed Cleveland in every facet. 10, ten more minutes of possession. Um, Bengals had one less penalty. Cleveland turns it over three times. Cincinnati only turns it over once, and um, you know that's that's the difference in an NFL game when clocks get shortened as they do. Uh, they couldn't get a stop when they needed one late in the game. When they had scored to make it twenty to you know twenty three thirty, the Bengals going to nine play fifty five yard drive. It takes five twenty one off the clock. Game's over. I just think that they didn't play hard for Freddie. I, I don't. I don't see a team that is bought into that vision. They just look flat. They look like they didn't want to be there, and it was evident in uh, the way things shook out. So, you know, uh, the the game itself. It was a, as a team that I've seen all year. They, they allowed more rushing yards. They allowed Cincinnati to capitalize on some mistakes, and they lose this game. But this underwhelming team, this feel, has been there all year, and it was nothing new to me. So, um, you know, it is what it is. This is the game that sealed Freddie's fate. We move on. But before we move on, talking about the next coach, we're going to talk to you about a proud supporter we have of Browns film Breakdown and the Blue Wire podcast network, those that untuck it. An untuck button down is as hideous... As it can get if it doesn't fit right they look bad because they're not meant to be worn that way thankfully there's untuck at the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or shape untuck it shirts always falls at the perfect untucked length with more than 50 fit combinations untuck it looks great on tall short slim and even athletic guys of all ages it even has a fit for me believe it or not you can find your favorite untuckit style online or check their 80 brick and mortar stores choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs super soft flannels outerwear and more when untuck it, your shirts will never look baggy Bulgy or too long or too big again, and their website's so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit, which is super helpful. So, whether you're getting that late holiday gift for somebody or just trying to craft a smart style all your own, Untuck It's the way to go. Visit untuckit.com, use the promo code blue for 20%. That's a good percent, 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, promo code blue for 20% off. So Moving forward, you ask, where are the Browns going to go from here? The answer to that question is, I don't know, and nobody knows. We have guesses we can make. I have, you know, people are going to continue to ask me and keep asking me and keep asking me, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't know. We we have an idea of names. You know, we have an idea of, uh, of people that they could go after. They could go after... Um, the obvious ones, Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy, Josh McDaniels, all of which have um, been head coaches, have found some level of success, whether through their um, you know, head coaching stops or their coordinating jobs that they're you know, currently partaking in. You know there are other names out there too on I consider as uh, names on the favorite list. They could go after Gary Kubiak, currently serving as the assistant head coach there in Minnesota, working as an offensive advisor with the other candidate Kevin Stefanski, who the analytics guys department especially Paul DiPodesta loved his nature, his um, you know his connection to the um, Ivy League schools, his thought process, his analytical approach. They like Stefanski. Stefanski's had a great run this year. Um, taking over as the offensive coordinator late last year, or late 2018 for John Filippo, carried it into this year, worked Kubiak's wide zone system, has really helped um, you know, Dalvin Cook and really helped the offensive line of Minnesota and Kirk Cousins taking his game to another level. That's an option. Those two could be a package deal. You don't know. Mike McDaniels, the run game coordinator for the 49ers, a guy that was with the Browns in 2014, who Andrew Hawkins, a wide receiver here, loved, claimed he's never met somebody with better football knowledge. McDaniel's been with Shanahan for years, um, dating back to his Washington days. Like I said, 2014 was a wide receivers coach here. There's also information on the Browns' websites, interviews with him. Really smart guy. Rich Gangrella is the Broncos' um, offensive coordinator. Another connected uh, connection to Shanahan. Was a quarterback coach with the 49ers. Done a nice job with the Broncos with limited talent, really Pretty bad quarterback play has done relatively well for the Broncos, getting them to score some points. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, who has a, a knack for running quarterbacks, but is going to be interviewed because of his adaptability. Then there's Urban Meyer. Matt Rule, uh, I think, mentioned tonight. There was reports from Lombardi that he was not interested in Cleveland. I don't think he makes an NFL run. Lincoln Riley, another guy I don't think makes an NFL run. Who knows? Could somebody like um, Doug Marone be fired from Jacksonville? Sure, he could be a name that pops up on the radar. There are some obvious names here um, with connections. I think the heavy favorites are McDaniels and, Mc- and, and McCarthy. I think there's obviously a connection with McCarthy, too. Um, you know, John Dorsey and all of the Green Bay you know, guys, Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith. Um, and then there's the the Josh McDaniels Cleveland connection. And can they mend that fence? And, 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 you know, between Dorsey, who's a good friend of Ballard there, and the Colts who he bailed on, can they mend that fence? Can they make it right um, and bring him back to Cleveland? Is Josh willing to risk his, uh, his second chance as an NFL head coach on that opportunity? I, I don't know. It, there's a lot of I don't know's, and here's what I, I – I, my hunch right now, and I tweet this out, is that as it sits today, I don't think they're going to hire a first-time head coach again. They let go of another first-time head coach after just one year. The idea for me that their thought process is, even though some first-time head coaches do better than others at handling some of the logistics of all of this and, and the respect demand that comes with being a head coach and all of that stuff um, – I think their thought process: is they need somebody who's proven that they can do it. You know, maybe they got fired, but they also had proven that they could do it before the firing. They need somebody with a voice players can get behind and believe in. And, um, and, and like I said, there's a there's a level of that that guy has been there before. Nature, I I really believe that they will um, they will hire somebody who has been a head coach before, or fire you know find that type of pairing that could be there with the Stefanski and Kubiak that makes sense for. Um, a mentorship role to the young head coach. I, I don't know. It, it, it could go any way. I, I, I would just say you're not wrong for being in on Freddie Kitchens. You're not wrong for believing in him. It's it's We get, guys, as we look at this, we get maybe 20% of the information necessary to know whether these guys can do it or not. That's not enough, obviously. We don't know. We don't know how well they know the game. We don't know how well they're going to handle situational football. We don't know how well they're going to game plan, how well they're going to run training camp. We don't know those things. That's the Browns' job to vet, and they failed with Freddie Kitchens. They did not get to know the guy, the coach, the way they needed to to understand that he couldn't handle this situation. Maybe Freddie would be a good head coach for some other teams in the NFL, but the situation with the talent and the personalities and the people in the building – and it's ultimately really hard for a, a position coach who's a good old boy by nature to then escalate to an offensive coordinator and then escalate to being the main voice of discipline and structure in a building. It's hard to lose that buddy-buddy relationship a lot of guys have. And that's the way the NFL is. And even if you played college football or high school football, your position coach is the guy you have the best, you know, sort of personable relationship with. You'd often don't get punished by them. It's the head coach's duty. So you develop a buddy relationship with them. And I don't think Freddie's voice ever got home to these guys. So they're going to look for somebody else. Um, but like I said, don't feel bad about whiffing on Freddie Kitt. It doesn't mean you're, you're terrible. I mean, I think you got to look at what the optics are at the time whether you can believe in it or not and get behind the decision or not. And I think the way Freddie was as an offensive coordinator, the way they were building him as a relationships guy, it was easy to buy into the idea that Kitchens could handle it. Now, in retrospect, we see he can. Maybe they hire somebody from this list that you don't agree with. Let it play out. You might hate the hire, and it might ultimately be the best hire this franchise has made you know, in, in 25 years, I don't know. I'm just tired of wasting energy on it. I'm tired of wasting energy on believing I know they got the right guy or they got the wrong guy. I, we don't know how Josh McDaniels has, has mended those relationships behind closed doors or if he even has, you know, the interest to come back to Cleveland you know, his home region and 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 take over this role? Is McCarthy going to risk his one shot at a second opportunity? Is Ron Rivera going to risk his one shot at an opportunity to go back and coach in Cleveland, you know, a place where um, has 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 had this consistent turnover for decades and they don't stick with, with head coaches? Are you going to believe that this is the best thing to hitch my wagon to? So while we want to believe that, you know, this is a very – Um, you know a fantastic opportunity for some head coach there's also the idea that some of these guys could say hey man there's a better chance um, elsewhere you know I I would rather take over uh, you know some other place that I can I can go with a GM that is fresh with me and I can get a foot in the door and be guaranteed two three years to see my vision through you don't get that guarantee in Cleveland they've fired too many guys too quick to 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 have a trustworthy um, you know, belief here because, you know, the, the big thing with Freddie was he thought he had organizational control. There is no clear, and it was the same thing with you. This is two head coaches between, you know, John Dorsey and, and Jimmy Haslam who have been blindsided by the firing. They know they're struggling, they know they could get fired, but they clearly both felt that they had organizational support and didn't know that, you know, the Browns were snooping around talking to people, um, you know, and, and making these sorts of decisions ahead of time. And, you know, there's a lack of communication there. There's a lack of understanding. And at the end of the day, um, it speaks to where this building is in Berea and where the understanding from top to bottom is about the ex- expectations and where things are going. Do they shake up the totem pole for decision-making? I don't know. Do they? Do they there's a lot of Paul De Podesta smoke that the, 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 he could be moving up into a higher role that has more critical decision-making function within the franchise. I'm a believer in Paul DePodesta. I think the guy has done fantastic things in baseball. He changed that sport. He could do the same things in Cleveland um, in the football realm. He played football collegiately. He knows football. Um, I think that they have a, a great mind there that they should be taking advantage of. And ultimately, they know that the last two suggestions from DePodesta were, um, you know, McDermott in, in Buffalo and Stefanski were Uh, ultimately better candidates and look like better, you know, you don't know if Stefanski's not been a head coach yet, but look like better options than what the Browns have settled on. So maybe that's why they want to give him a bigger role. I don't know until they announce it. If they do announce it, I think it changes the scope of the hiring process and it opens the door for some candidates that we might not know much about. The same way Kevin uh, Stefanski became a a, a second interview guy that we were really uncertain about before the start of, um, you know, the process just under a year ago. We were sort of all scratching our head about. I think that becomes a thing that's in play if you if you have a bigger role for you know for for De Podesta and um, you know some even rumors of trying if that shakeup happens is Andrew Barry come back from Philadelphia in a bigger role in Cleveland. I don't know. All of that is uncertain, and I have no inside information on it. If the Browns immediately hire somebody like Mike McCarthy, Josh McDaniels, I think that speaks to John Dorsey having the anchor, um, having the voice in Jimmy's ear. And uh, I think that will tell a story. Ultimately, who they hire, I think we will be able to say, that coach was picked by this person in the front office or that person in the front office. We probably are not at the end of some announcements of changes. I think you're going to hear from some of those important people in the coming days and weeks. Um, There's a lot to figure out. I'm not sure about this group of potential head coaches. We're going to have to just see where it goes and see what they come out of it with. Um, The good thing is that they came away, even in the loss today, they did come away with the 10th pick. You can be upset about the loss, I'm upset about the loss, but it was a meaningless game in the grand scope of what your season looks like. But it does give the Browns the 10th pick instead of something like 15 or 16. And it gives them a chance now to potentially get one of those Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, type of uh, big-name offensive tackle. So with the Browns with an early pick again, it's going to be time to study more prospects and look at things heavier. I'll be doing more of that this year than I did last year. Obviously, the Browns gave up their first-round pick last year. We'll try to dive deeper into the draft over at the OBR. Some exciting things coming over there. Um, We just got to keep plugging. I, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can give up. You can jump out of this whole cycle, and I don't blame you. It's been brutal. It's been a tough 10 years, let alone dating it back, 20 years of suffering that has happened. Uh, And and to be back at square one looking at another coaching hire and potential front office shakeups, it's it's a really frustrating situation. And I don't blame any Browns fans for wanting to just get the heck away. I would suggest get the heck away from caring about them for a little bit. Let the hunger of the offseason fuel you to come back and start talking about things there are going to be opportunities in free agency. There are going to be opportunities in the draft. We will get to those things. We will dive in on these coaches as we get going into things and know who they're going to be looking at and, and, and interviewing and potentially hiring. We have an early list of candidates over at the OBR. Jump over there and check that out. Got a nice 50% discount going on. I appreciate all year. We had over a million listens on 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 this podcast um, You know alone. Uh, and we're sorry. with Through Blue Wire and, and over 100,000 on this podcast alone, which is wild to me how many downloads we get per episode. We're almost up to 100 episodes. Really, really, even through the struggle that was this season, appreciate you guys so much for listening to the show, listening to me, reading my content. It means the world to me. I really suggest uh, going to my Twitter handle at Jake underscore Burns 18. If you want to hear from somebody this offseason, interview somebody talk about some things you want to hear about on the podcast just let me know i'm willing to to, to go through those things we'll maybe do some mailbag stuff too um we'll, we'll keep all the options open uh, but until then we will come back with a podcast later in the week maybe for your friday commute we'll see uh, see if anything new has shaken out from now until then that we can talk about and discuss and see where see where some candidates are but uh You know, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate your subscriptions on iTunes and the podcast app. And um, just know that maybe someday this thing will get done right. and, and, And really, you know, try not to give up all hope as best you can. Have a great week, guys. And as usual, go Browns.